second down, 30, going deep. And he's got his receiver, Adams! Slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. Play in big running room. of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Pulse of the Pack back and in action rolling here on a post-Valentine's Day weekend show. Hope all of you had a very nice Valentine's Day, or if you're by yourself, then that you treated yourself, because as Jason said earlier, sometimes we don't do enough for ourselves. Uh, So I'm going to kick that to him right now as his introduction. I'm your host, I'm Jacob Westendorf, and I am joined by the master of looking out for number one, and that is Jason Perrone. Jason, how are we doing today? The most selfish man on earth. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I'm doing great. I'm I'm doing good. It's uh, week two of this thing. We're getting a week closer to the combine. And as I said on Pack-A-Day yesterday, and I don't think I've uh, we've talked about it with you guys, there's a long offseason, but there really is only one month where there's nothing mm-hmm. Packers-related at all or football-related at all during it. Now, February has the Super Bowl, which is at the very beginning of February, so that's kind of a cheap inclusion. But if you think about it, March Combine, April Draft, May Minicamps, June is dry. And then July, at the very end of July, is when training camp starts. So, you know, could be worse. You know what's funny, Jason, is I knew exactly what you were going to say. And you know how I know? Because I've said it already. No, because I have a buzzer on my chest. It's telling me everything. Uh, Uh Poor attempted humor there, guys. So I'm going to switch it over. There's. I also have Paul Brettel with me. Paul might have thought that joke was funnier than Jason did. But uh, Paul will be over there banging on a trash can for us today to tell me when we need to be switching topics. Paul, screw the Houston Astros. How are you doing today? <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, and always always happy to be on here with you boys. There we go. So let's get rolling. Last week we did quarterbacks. This week we did running backs. Let's recap the position a little bit for the season. Uh, Aaron Jones is a star. Who knew? Besides everyone. I had a really big year this year. Uh, By the end of the year, he had 23 touchdowns, uh, rushing and receiving, obviously. Really, I think, got better as a a receiver out of the backfield, uh, a little bit more natural in the passing game. Still has some hiccups. The touchdown, well, should have been touchdown against Detroit on Monday night is one play that comes to mind where he had an easy touchdown and just simply dropped the ball. But otherwise, um, Honestly, was the best player on the Packers offense this season. That includes Aaron Rodgers. That includes Devontae Adams. That includes Elton Jenkins. Name your guy. It doesn't really matter. Was one of the best players on the team this year. Um, Jason, real quick, just how special of a season was this? Because really, I mean, I think you can argue this was the best year the Packers have had at running back since Amon Green in 2003. Agreed. It was by far. The production spoke for itself. And in fact, I was watching. The it was like an Aaron Jones tribute highlight reel and just all the plays that he made and the way he made so much out of not a lot that was there at the beginning has me really, really encouraged that he's part of this team. It's also going to make for a really interesting conversation about a year from now when it's time for the Packers to figure out what they're going to do with them. 
again, it's like you're reading my mind. It's almost like you have the signs being given to you in your earphones there. So uh, let's go to that right now. Paul, I was going to ask you for your thoughts on the season, but Jason mentioned a year from now, and that's the topic of conversation. And it's kind of funny listening to some people that are very anti-paying running backs, but then you start talking about Aaron Jones, and it's like, well, that's different. Because (laughs) the – the counterpoints that people make when guys are free agents are, well, Todd Gurley and David Johnson and Zeke, they're all special players. And they were. The problem now is two of those three players are on the chopping block. Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott, two years after, or excuse me, not Zeke, David Johnson, two years after getting those contracts, both teams are looking to potentially move on from them. Paul, is Aaron Jones someone that you are looking to extend Because there's a distinct possibility at this point that Aaron Jones, and I don't know if he will, I'm not reporting anything, obviously, but it could be in Jones's best interest to hold out. So with that in mind, is Jones someone that you would give in and give that contract to? Oof, that's a really hard question to answer. If we're looking at if the offense is going to be ran in a similar or you know have the same type of production and lean on him as heavily it's hard to um, argue against not giving him that kind of contract I mean he emerged in the passing game he was Green Bay's top or Aaron Rodgers top target during that stretch when Devontae Adams was out Um, he's fantastic in the run game but as we've seen across the NFL and as you've already mentioned Teams that are teams that have been winning the Super Bowl, they don't have these high-priced running backs in the backfield, and so I think a lot of it's going to look to be determined by what the landscape looks like in this Packers offense in a year from now. Um, you know, are they going to have a rookie who comes in and steps up, and you know, is someone that they think they can lean on as the passing game? You know, with hopefully an infusion of a receiver or two or three, even. Um, going to change the look of this offense because I can't imagine what this offense would have looked like last year if Aaron Jones wasn't a part of it. So I think this next year is going to be very telling in what they do. But like I said, if we look across the NFL, despite his production, the move to make would be not to give him that huge contract. Well, guys, and also, uh, Jake, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but I think Heading into next year, the Packers have a decent amount of cap space heading into this offseason. But next offseason, I think they're set to look maybe even a little bit better. So that that could also play a factor in it, too, is the money they've got to spend. That could be. Uh, with that in mind, Jason, I mean, knowing what kind of what you just said, I mean, is there a line in the sand that you draw? Because, I mean, Aaron Jones has an agent, and the agents know the numbers. And I'm sure that the floor, if you will, Derrick Henry, for example, is set to be a free agent this offseason. And if there's ever a running back that has had perfect timing in a contract season, it's Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. And that is because Henry, well, you guys watch the playoffs. I mean, he carried that team past the Patriots, past the Baltimore Ravens, and they had a decent shot against Kansas City eventually. But the thought is Derrick Henry said that the Zeke Elliott contract is, quote, the floor. Mm-hmm a lot if that's the floor then i mean i'm gonna guess aaron jones's agent when that time comes is gonna see those numbers and say derrick henry's contract is the floor so with that in mind jason is there a line in the sand or are you saying you know pay he's a great player pay the great player yeah there has to be a line in the sand i didn't 
do enough to know what that what that number would be for me. But yeah, I mean, as great as Aaron Jones is, there's got to be a line in the sand just because it seems like every year there's good running back prospects that come out. Now, not that I'm a huge advocate of drafting running backs in the first round, but the Packers found Aaron Jones in round five. Now, are they going to, or four, or was it fifth five. round, fifth round? And that's not going to happen every year, and you're not going to get lucky like that all the time. But they're going to have an opportunity to add some more talent. You know, I mean, the the stable of running backs this year is is really draft worthy, and they're good. And I have to imagine that there's going to be another next year. You know, the interesting thing is, is um, in college, how many kids or how many guys actually want to be running backs when they when the league seems to be moving towards. You know, if you get a second contract as an NFL running back, you are the exception, not the norm. So if these guys want to make money, you know, why wouldn't they try to move over to wide receiver or do something else on offense where they have a chance to make more as a pro? That's that's also going to be a, a factor, but that's way down the line. I think you do have to draw a line in the sand and, and realize because they got David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley are coming up due next year. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but that's all part of the equation, too. So. Yeah, they're going to have to be smart about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that, I mean, obviously you want Aaron Jones in the fold. He is a good player, but, I mean, that's kind of the part of a salary-capped sport. And when you just watched the Super Bowl, now, granted, some of this is skewed a little bit because the San Francisco 49ers have paid running backs. They paid money to Jarek McKinnon. He just hasn't played because he's been injured. They paid Tevin Coleman. But the starters in that game – were Raheem Mostert, undrafted free agent, and Damian Williams, undrafted free agent. Now, I don't necessarily ascribe to the theory that, well, anybody can do it. You know, the Packers got lucky for a half of a season when Ty Montgomery became their running back, and, you know, the story is what it is from there. I don't think that's the case, but that being said, yeah, I do tend to agree that, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, well, you got to figure out a way to sign Aaron Jones, and I'm, I'm not so sure. You know, three years ago... At this time, I'm sure we had the same conversation of, well, you got to figure out a way to re-sign Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy's out of the NFL, and that's not a knock. It's just the reality of that position. Todd Gurley was the best running back in the NFL, arguably, when he signed that extension. The Rams want to trade him, allegedly. It, it just happens fast, and when it happens, there really is no preparation for it. So with that in mind, that's something I think is going to be interesting in the new collective bargaining agreement. Is there going to be something done in terms of you know, the way draft contracts are given out as a way to help those running backs out? Because, yeah, like you said, them getting a second contract, a third contract is almost never. But a second contract is those are interesting because, yeah, the, the school of thought, and this is why I was against the Cowboys drafting Ezekiel Elliott when they did, is use them up for their rookie contract and dump them. Well, you can't really dump them when you use the top five pick on the player. That's a decision that you made. When you drafted that player, if Zeke was any good, and he is, you had to give him a second contract. So the thought process the Packers are going to have is interesting. You mentioned a few of the guys. Kevin King is in there as well, potentially. Jair Alexander. I mean, I know Kenny Clark's extension. Again, that's getting out in front. But Devontae Adams, I mean, there's a lot of players that we're talking about there to where if you say Aaron Jones is somebody the Packers, quote, have to re-sign, I don't know if that's true. So it'll be interesting. I hope they can figure something out that works for the team, but that's not how this always works. Uh, it almost never works that way 
to be honest with you, and I hope Aaron Jones gets every penny that he does. And if he does get Ezekiel Elliott's contract, God bless him. I hope he looks good in an Indianapolis Colts jersey or whatever team decides to pay him. But I would not endorse the Packers doing that at all. Um, and the reason for that is, like you said, Jason, the Packers didn't have a running back on their roster that you thought they could count on when they drafted Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Mays. Two of those three guys are now, Jones is a starter, Jamal Williams has been a high percentage player. The Packers could realistically just do that again this year or next year uh, and kind of see how it goes. The other bit that I want to get to here before we move forward is the uh, the other running backs on the roster, if you will. Tyler Irvin kind of gets mentioned. He's somebody that you imagine will be back for minimal money as the team's punt returner. Uh, or at least in competition for that position. And then Dexter Williams, whose rookie season was just a complete wash and somebody that I don't know that the Packers should be any entering 2020 as somebody saying, well, they don't need a back because we got that guy. Uh, I think that the Packers need to look at it as we got one more year, maybe more, of Williams and Jones, and then anything else is open for competition. And that leads to this next question, which, as you guys know, we're going through uh, every single week, or at least as much as we can, to try and answer some of the questions when it comes to the draft. So the first question is, Paul, and I'll ask you first since I can see you right now, that is what round, if any, are you looking for a running back? Uh, I think you always got to be looking for a running back, but based on what you said with you know where they found uh, Jones and Williams, and then we've seen that across the NFL. I mean, Philip Lindsay in Denver's had a lot of success as an undrafted rookie. Um, you know, once again, I think the earliest I would look is the fourth round, unless there's someone falls or it's, you know, uh, you know, if JK Dobbins is available at, you know, pick 94, then, you know, that, that's something I would definitely look into. But like I said, the fourth round's the earliest, otherwise fifth and sixth, And it, you know, they have two six round picks. They have two seventh round picks. If they want to load up on two running backs, just to increase their odds of one of them hitting, I think that's a good idea to do as well. Okay, Jason, what round are you looking at? Yeah, for me, it's probably not any sooner than the third round. And there's a lot of good running backs that are going to that are projected to be there in that space. I mean, Dobbins, I don't think makes it that far. Um, if if he does, maybe run the card up to the podium and you change your entire strategy because he's there. But yeah, I would I would say no sooner than three. And I think that's just because the the Packers seem to have other needs. I'm hoping that they address with some of those earlier picks. Yeah, I'm with you guys. The the exception being, you know, round three at the earliest. Uh, the Packers' history with third round picks, they'd be better off in recent memory, especially, essentially just flushing them down the toilet. <laughs> One of the easiest ways to combat that, and I know it doesn't work this way, but is to just draft running backs because honestly, and I don't mean to completely demean the position, but it it really is the easiest one to contribute almost immediately. Uh, the learning curve simply isn't there a whole lot for a lot of guys. It's easy to carve out roles for players like that, whereas a position like receiver or outside linebacker, defensive line, whatever, uh, that's one way to do it. That being said, if at pick, what is that, 62 the Packers have in the second round, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, one of those three guys is available, and they drafted one of them, I'm not going to be upset. That being said, I don't know if that'll be the case. The Packers, there is some precedent for that. The Packers have picked a running back in the second round before. Eddie Lacy 
in very recent memory. There was also discussion, and this kind of gets brushed over a little bit when we have the Kevin King discussion, but when Green Bay took Kevin King, Dalvin Cook was another player that was in consideration for that selection, which imagine how different history is now if Green Bay has Dalvin Cook instead of uh, the Vikings, just to think about how those offenses might be different now. But those are the guys. Uh, those are the three guys I think that you can look at earlier than the third round. But otherwise, that is um, that is the way that I'm looking as well. We just said who are the popular guys in that round. I think we kind of answered some of that question. So that leads into the next question, which is, Jason, you asked beforehand, do we have DeAndre Swift at running back one? You said you don't. So who is it? No, for me, I, I actually um, – it is J.K. Dobbins for me just because of what I, what I think he can do both running the ball and catching it out of the backfield. One guy that not there's not a lot being talked about. I, I mean, I think he's not unknown, but I just don't hear his name very often, and I'm a little bit biased because I'm on the West Coast. You know and I follow, the, I follow the Pac-12. No, it's Zach Moss out of Utah. Oh, yeah. And I think Zach Moss – and Zach Moss in, in some um, – from some analysts is actually, you know, depending on how well he does at the combine could end up being a, a late first round pick. I mean, running backs just don't get picked early anymore, but Zach Moss is another guy that I watched a little bit of uh, more often this season. And he's, um, he's really, he's a great talent running, but he's also a good receiving back as well. And it looks like he's going to run somewhere in the mid four or five. So, um, you know, he could, he could be another, but if we're talking about the number one overall, then it's Dobbins. And so then it becomes, you know, kind of like what you and Paul said, it's a value proposition. So where is he available? And, you know, can you afford to pass that up if you've got him staring you in the face? Yeah. I tend to think that that's going to be something that these teams that have multiple first round picks, the Raiders, well, the Raiders won't need to, I guess they have Josh Jacobs, but the Dolphins have a hundred first round picks. That might be where you see one of those backs go, but Paul, I got a pretty good feeling where you're going here. So go ahead. Uh, actually, you're wrong, but I am going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I I would give my number one running back to J.K. Dobbins as well for many of the reasons that Jason had spoke about uh, his ability uh, out of the backfield as a pass catcher. He's just far more proven in that area than what Taylor is. And I know some of the knocks on Taylor are the amount of usage that he's had, as a lot of Wisconsin running backs do, and also as a pass catcher. But he, it's something that he's worked really hard on the last two years, and we saw – him take a huge stride this season. He had 16 receptions over his first two seasons with no touchdowns. This past year, he had 26 at just under 10 yards per catch with five touchdowns. And we saw a similar progression with Melvin Gordon when he was at Wisconsin. Uh, his first two years, he didn't wasn't much of a factor in the passing game. His final season, he had similar numbers. I think he had around 20 receptions and a couple touchdowns, so a little less than Taylor. But as we've seen with uh, Gordon in L.A., yeah, he's been a big factor in their passing game as well over the years. And so I think that Taylor can have a similar impact as well, even though he doesn't have you know, the numbers or the had the opportunities that Dobbins or DeAndre Swift had. Um, and also when he's at the combine, I think his 40-yard dash is going to surprise some, some people out there as well. And so I also think that's going to help his stock. But you know, being in Wisconsin here, watch a lot of Badger football. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, I think the he can't run thing is helmet scouting because Monte yep. Ball wasn't that fast. Ron Dane obviously wasn't that fast. But otherwise, most of that's ridiculous. Jonathan Taylor can fly. My mm -hmm. biggest concern with him is he's had fumble issues yep. at Wisconsin. So that's but that is something I think that can be fixed. 
it's just a matter of, you know, what team gets a hold of him and can that team fix him. But we do have a clean sweep. I just didn't expect it to work that way. Yeah, my number one is J.K. Dobbins. Um, not as refined as a pass catcher, but his burst when he sees a hole. Listen, I've watched this guy torture Michigan for the last three years. I watched him torture basically the entire Big Ten. You can make an argument that he was the best player on the field against Clemson in that playoff game and had Ohio State given the ball to him more. They would have been playing and getting their ass kicked by LSU in the national championship game (laughs) instead of Clemson, but neither here nor there on that. Yeah, I think Dobbins in this offense with Aaron Jones, one, it'd be a great compliment this year, and then next year you could just kind of seamlessly transition to him. Um, But Dobbins, yeah, I have very much enjoyed watching his tape. I think he's close in terms of being a pass receiver. He's not as good at it as DeAndre Swift is, but I think he's a better runner. Uh, So that's where the, the tiebreaker there goes. But all three of these guys, these three guys are at the top. I think whatever team drafts any of them is going to end up very happy with them. Since this is a Packers show, a lot of people are going to wonder why we're not talking more about Jonathan Taylor. Like I said, you know, the concerns I have with him are fumbling. But other than that, I mean, the usage stuff doesn't matter that much to me uh, because he's going to get he's not going to get used like that in the NFL. So most likely, at least, especially if he gets drafted by the Packers. So. I don't mind the idea of him as the compliment to Aaron Jones either, but I do think when assessing this position, you can look at and very strongly consider the fact that the Packers have a running back one in Aaron Jones and a running back three in Jamal Williams. I think they can look to upgrade that running back two position. And I love Jamal Williams. He's a useful player. He does a lot of good things, but I would be okay with looking at some players that are a little more explosive. Because as we've talked about several times, especially as this offense has continued to decline, uh, and by decline I just mean in terms of personnel, in terms of actual statistical numbers, those kinds of things, the Packers don't have enough explosive players on offense. If you really look at it, they only really have two, and it's Adams and Jones, and that's it. So whether it's in the backfield, as a tight end, a wide receiver, and we'll talk about all those positions in the coming weeks, If they can make big plays, the Packers need guys with the ability to make big plays. The next question, Jason, you kind of already answered it, but who's the most undervalued player at this position? And you kind of talked about him, a a young man from Utah. Yeah, I think it's Zach Moss. I mean, he's not getting a lot of play in the media. That's just in the media. You know, I think maybe GMs and coaches and scouting teams probably have him where he should be. I mean, he's got... Like I said, according to some analysts, he's got as high as a first-round grade, so it's not like he's under the radar. But you know, I, outside of that, I, I, I'd be reaching if I went through and, and just started throwing names out there. I mean, um, I know that uh, Cam Akers is another guy out of Florida State that has been talked about. I don't know that he's necessarily undervalued. So for me, it's probably Moss because um, when you look at the Pac-12, uh, and again, this is a Pac-12 specific thought, but Utah just is kind of one of those forgotten schools within the Pac-12. It gets lost in the shuffle of the Oregons and the UCLAs and the USCs. So, yeah, I'll stick with Moss for undervalued. My guy on that is actually Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. Uh, I obviously noticed him in the postseason this year for college football. LSU is going to have, like, their entire offense drafted in the first four rounds or something like that this year. They were ridiculous, but – 
He has the ability as a runner. He's really good as a pass catcher. There's a clip I saw of him running an angle route. I believe it was against Clemson and just left the linebacker in the dust. I think he's a very good niche player that you can just add into your offense. He'll catch 30 passes. He'll protect in the passing game, and he'll break off some big runs for you. But I've been seeing him kind of going in the fourth or fifth round. I really think this guy could be – when I mentioned Green Bay flushing third down or third-round picks down the toilet – that's kind of where it could be like, okay, just pick Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, plug him in, and we've solved our third-round problem. Uh, but that's that's my guy that I think is undervalued. Uh, well, so, okay, Jake, oh, quick question for you. So, so one of the big things that's going to come out in terms of social media and feedback, and it always happens every year, is you know what is what's his height and what's his weight? So Edwards-Hilaire is listed at 5'8". So mm-hmm. can we just kind of address and put to bed the idea that running backs need to be 6'5", and 230 pounds, and, and, you know, you mentioned blocking, and there's going to be some out there who are going to say, well, can he really block at that height and at that weight? He listed it, I think he's listed like 210. So just address that real quick and your thoughts on, on running backs and size in today's NFL. Yeah, listen, I understand. I think that um, the measurables matter. The combine isn't useless, and we'll kind of talk about combine theory and stuff like that next week because we're talking receivers. Um, but the discussion on how much does the combine matter, how much weight does it gather, all that kind of stuff. And I get it. But one of the popular things and kind of a spoiler alert for next week has been, well, KJ Hamler is five foot nine and the Packers won't like him because they have types of receivers they like, and they typically have to meet a height threshold. And that's fine. The Packers have been successful for a really long time and they're much smarter than I'll ever be. That being said, I don't care how tall K.J. Hamler is. The same reason I don't care how tall Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is is because he can play. And there are guys who don't fit those thresholds that can still play. Now, granted, most of them are exceptions to those rules. John Randall, for example, is an exception in the same way that Aaron Donald is. He's short, quote-unquote. But if they can play, and that's obvious and that shines through, that should be the big overlying factor is that these guys can play you can always add weight you can't really add height but you can always add weight how tall he is i'm not asking him to make contested catches down the field against corners that are taller than him i'm asking him to run the ball and i'm asking him to catch passes uh against zones and as a check down player and make some guys miss in the open field can he do that yeah cool okay then we're good that's that's how that matters there paul is there anybody that you're seeing that's undervalued uh, one player that I think could have success at the NFL level uh, is Eno Benjamin. I know Jacob you touched on him briefly when he thought that's who Jason was going to pick, uh, but he's just a super accomplished running back over the last two years. He's got uh, over 2,700 rushing yards. That includes 1,600 during the 2018 season. He's also a proven pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, he's got 77 receptions, over 500 yards the last two seasons. So I think with what we've seen from him at Arizona State, he has the potential to be a three-round back in the NFL, and he's shown that he can handle a, a heavy workload, you know, kind of similar to a Jonathan Taylor. Interesting. So those are some of your undervalued guys. Okay, guys, so here's the question. The real draft is five rounds. The Packers will probably have five picks in those five rounds. What is the likelihood that they take a running back in those first five rounds? Paul, I'll start with you. I'll go. I'll go forty percent. Two and five. Oh, I'm I'm higher than that because if they don't, and we'll, I mean, it's a huge tell what they're going to do with Aaron Jones with what they do in this draft. I think running back in the first five rounds, based on what they're going to probably have to pay Jones, I think it's probably closer to seventy percent. 
Interesting. Okay, I'm going to go 45%. Just because I know last year they interviewed a crap ton of running backs. They talked to Josh Jacobs, who a lot of people thought was going to be the first running back taken. They didn't end up drafting one until Dexter Williams in the sixth round. So you can kind of see both sides there. One thing I'm pretty sure of is that if you got some truth serum into Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, Goody would tell you and LaFleur would say the same, is that Goody made the call to keep Dexter Williams this past year and that Matt LaFleur didn't particularly care for him. 100% agree. Now that's something that could change. But again, it's somebody I don't think you can rely on. Uh, Kind of the same with Tyler Irvin. I know he did some good things, but very, very small sample size. And he might just be a return specialist. So, But 45%, again, I think if the Packers see a value that they really, really like, not in the first round, I don't, you know, the Packers, even under Gutekunst, have basically valued positional value, if you will. So quarterback, offensive tackle, pass rusher, cornerback, free safety, um, those kinds of positions in the first round of the guys that the Packers have taken. I can't remember, honestly, the last time that, Green Bay took somebody in the first round that didn't play one of those premium positions. The same reason, and we'll get to this later on in the in the offseason, but the same reason I don't think they'll be taking an inside linebacker at the 30th overall pick. Now, Gutekunst might surprise me. They've done that before, uh, but that's, that's kind of what I think. So when it comes to the running back position, I think from 62 on, that percentage will get higher, but you got to take them all into account. So 45% is my number. Uh, I think that adding someone to the backfield – for both potentially this year and beyond as to potentially take over as the starter is something that's going to be important. So that's what we're going to look at there real quick guys, because this is a Twitter discussion and this should take like one minute, but ultimately I think it's stupid. Uh, Something (laughs) came up in a Packers news chat and I believe that's the origin of this. I don't know what exactly the origin is. So I apologize for that. And there's been a lot of discussion in my Twitter mentions today about it. But the idea of the Packers fix at inside linebacker is already on the roster. And his name is Rashawn Gary. So, Paul, is that a good idea? No, not at all. He's a, oh, I was going to say, he's a pass rusher. Let him get after the quarterback. Jason, is that a good idea? No. And the comparisons to Clay Matthews, obviously, they're, they're very different players, very different skill sets. They are. The only thing that Clay Matthews and Rashawn Gary have in common is they both wore 52. They were both picked in the first round by Green Bay. And that's about, oh, they play outside linebacker. That's about it. (laughs) Otherwise, Clay is 20 pounds lighter than uh, Rashawn Gary is. And Rashawn Gary, think about it this way, guys. You guys were complaining last year that Gary's a project and playing a position he's never played before. So now we want to make him a project and move him to another position. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) That he's never played before. So, no, Rashawn Gary's going to be fine. He's going to be a good pass rusher for this team. The idea, is he athletic enough? Yes. But you know what? Andy Herman did something really funny today is Rashawn Gary is also athletic enough to play strong safety, tight end, offensive tackle, and running back. Should the Packers be doing any of those things with him? Probably not. But I wanted to bring it up because Rashawn is my son, and it was a big discussion throughout the internet today. So Ram show. Yeah, that's Ram show. I wonder if that guy knows that he's like Packers Twitter famous. <laughs> if, I ever, if anybody is in Milwaukee and sees some dude – bending down to smell his own farts you let me know that's that guy and that's that's who came up with ram show and wasn't i think my favorite part of that dude is just how insistent he was 
<laughs> that no, his name was Ramshow. Because I was polite about it. I was like, you know, his name's Rashawn Gary, not and apparently not. So that's going to do it for this edition of the War Room. Next week we will do receivers. We will have the legend Mark Eckel joining us from Packer Report and 30 years on the Eagles beat. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and then by the time next weekend hits, we will actually be into Combine Week. So we might have some stuff for you guys as the combine goes through. So Paul real quick as an early one, just for fun. Do you guys, does anybody have, and it doesn't matter what position, do you have a draft crush yet? Uh, early on mine was, uh, I'd have to say Patrick queen from what I've, what I've LSU watched so far. Okay. Jason, yeah. do you have one yet? Uh, it was, yeah, I guess at this point it's between queen and Murray. So it's just, they're both linebackers. Interesting. Uh, right now, T. Higgins is somebody I really like. Uh, and then K.J. Hamler. I mentioned them earlier. So those are receivers. There's a tight end starting to really catch my eye, but I'll leave that for the draft guide, which I'll talk about now. The Cheesehead TV draft guide. I will give you guys links and stuff when I have those to pre-order everything. But that is newsstand worthy. Uh, I am the only one on this show actually contributing to that this year, but maybe next year we can get that changed. Who knows? And we'll have all three of us in there on that. But Check out the YouTube channel. It's Packer Pulse. You can. We are back on Apple Podcasts, and we are making a commitment. We kind of had a brain fart throughout the season on that, uh, but are able to have those back up and running. So let us know which uh, platform you prefer. And this offseason, we're going to work on a, a giveaway of sorts. So we haven't quite decided how that's going to work, what the prize is going to be, but keep that in mind. But it's going to involve you promoting us. So you're going to have to love us if that is the case. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Jason. He's at Jason Perone. And you can follow Paul. He is at Paul underscore Brettel. And for all things related to scumbaggery and otherwise nonsense, you can follow at Astros on Twitter. Thank you guys <laughs> for listening to Pulse of the Pack. of the Pack Podcast.